0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Houston, we have a podcast. You're
2: listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane.
1: That's right. That's right. It is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. I'm Brandon Scott here with Adam Spolane. Austin Mendez is producing this thing for us. We appreciate you. And we took an extended break, an extended leave of absence from the podcast. It seems like uh, it seems like it's been a really long time. There was the all-star break. We took the all-star break with it. And we had a lot going on, Adam, starting with you. I, I figure since it's been so long since we spent some time with the audience that we could at least – uh you know give them a little update on what we've been working on and what we've been up to over the last couple of weeks i understand this is a a rockets podcast and we'll get to what's been going on with the rockets has been as of this recording they've played six games since the all-star break and they won the last two um they won the last two sweeping the spurs um at full strength and we'll get to that in just a little bit but but adam tell us a little bit about your trip to West Palm Beach, Florida, covering the Astros, what the experience was like, what what were some of your takeaways, some of the things you learned, and some of the things that, that stood out to you over the last couple of weeks, man.
2: Yeah, it's just normal spring training. And, you know, we went a few years ago uh, to cover the scandal. And the one thing that we didn't get to do then was see actual spring training games. You don't learn a lot about, you know, for, about anything from, from spring training games, especially in the beginning of spring training where guys are – you know, pitchers, uh, starting pitchers might be throwing two innings, maybe one if, if they get kind of get the, the pitch count extended for that first inning. You might see position players play five innings. So you don't you don't learn a whole lot. Um, but the Astros should be good. Um, I don't think that my opinion on that has changed, although some of the stuff with the starting rotation is a little bit questionable at this point and kind of reminds you of why they probably should have just kept Justin Verlander. But that was a decision that they made. And so now – you're counting on, you know, some guys, you know, particularly Hunter Brown who have not done it at the big league level. And that's not an easy, you know, that's hard to do. And, uh, you know, you have one guy get hurt like Lance McCullers has, then all of a sudden you thought you had in the starting rotation. It is quite quickly.
1: Yeah. I heard you talking about that on the radio on, I think it was Monday on in the loop, uh, just about how the, the outsized expectations for Hunter Brown are out there. And it's like, know they were doing this baby verlander thing which was i think kind of cool and kind of cute when verlander was on the team it was like hey here here's this much lesser version of what he does mechanically you know on a kind of on a triple a level and as a prospect but it's not quite as cute when like he is
0: you know when there is no
1: verlander there you know and it doesn't feel Nearly as good. Uh, what I saw that you did some one-on-one interviews that I thought were interesting. And we'll get, again, we'll get to the Rocket stuff in just a little bit. But what were some of your key takeaways? I know you got to do a one-on-one with the general manager, the new general manager of the Astros, Dana Brown, and you talked to Alex Bregman as well. What were some of your uh, big takeaways from those
2: interviews? Uh, Bregman is healthy, which is a really important step for him coming off of Uh, You know, he, he was able to play 155 games last year, which, you know, just talking to him, I think that that was something that he was really proud of just because of how little he had played the last couple of years. And he kind of, you know, he got the rewards from all the work that he put in. Uh, during the 2021 season when he was rehabbing from all the legs. Up. And I remember him saying that this is, I'm knocking this out now. I'm going to go through this rehab, and then I'm never going to have to deal with this stuff again. And at least for a year, he showed that that was the case. And just with Dana Brown, you just kind of learn about the guy. Um, he is, I think that he comes across just a lot less robotic than the than the two guys who who had that job before. And I, I do think it's kind of a breath of fresh air where, you know, he's willing to tell you stuff and he's not going to clench up at, at you know, some small minute detail. So uh, that was refreshing to, to talk to him for, you know, a good eight minutes. He did it, you know, in his office. He's making eye contact with me the entire time he, before we started. He's like, let me turn off my phone so I don't have any distractions. I, I did appreciate that. Um, just talking to people about him. Um, just he he's drawn rave reviews just from you know how he's handled himself in all of his other jobs and with all of his other teams. And so far, uh, you're just kind of impressed by by what I've seen with him so far.
1: Yeah, Dana Dana Brown seems very direct and very much like a straight shooter. We'll see how he does as a general manager. Obviously, he's you know, been on the job for maybe a month, something like that. Um, and, and, and Alex Bregman, the point that you make about him being healthy and not having to do, I know you've made this point before about how he did not have an off season where he had to rehab anything. And I feel like this is the year, if he's going to get close, as close to the MVP level or caliber form that he played at, you know, four years ago, five years ago, um, I think this is going to be the year to do it. So it was really cool. Uh
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What
1: the people are here for, which is to hear us talk about the Rockets. And I mentioned that they have won their last couple of games here. They swept the Spurs and back-to-back nights, uh, played them on Saturday night in San Antonio, and then as play-by-play man craig ackerman put it on the broadcast it was basically a race to see who could get to houston first uh because they did again the basically the same exact thing um the next night and houston won both games now we'll talk about this a little bit later on how uh the the spurs approached the game differently uh from a personnel standpoint than the rockets did but from a rocket standpoint they were at full strength, close to full strength on Saturday, and then at full strength for the most part on Sunday. And it's the first time that we've gotten a chance to see that in a really, really long time. Uh, obviously, it's been a nightmare of a season for the Rockets. Uh, but what did you what did you make of them? Albeit against a Spurs team that's barely an NBA team, but what did you make of them uh, over this
2: last couple of game stretch here? Well, I think he he separated into the two games. And um, the first game on Saturday, that was all about the bench. And Tari Eason was really good in that game. And really, he flipped that game in the first quarter with just, you know, they played him 15 straight minutes, which is not something that you do with a bench guy, but he was so good end of the first quarter started the second quarter that you just let him go. And he was excellent in that game, just made a lot of things happen. And then you saw Josh Christopher play really well um, in in the second half of that game. They just played a pretty solid game overall. I thought they were pretty good defensively. Uh, The big thing for them, and this is in both games, is just the way that they controlled the paint and, um, You know, I I think they outscored San Antonio. They scored 74 points in the paint in both games, but I think they held the Spurs to something like 36 points in the first game on Saturday. And this was something that I got into with Steven Silas before yesterday's games that they have really focused on taking the paint away from opponents. And I do think, you know, last year they were horrific defensively, but it's because. Teams just got in the lane against them nonstop. And, you know, you saw them give up the most points in the paint. They're they're most or second most in the league. This year, they're actually allowing, I think it's the fewest shots at the restricted area in the entire league. They're giving up more threes. And it's just that opponents are hitting them more. So that's kind of a little bit of a tangent. But um, so Saturday was about the bench. Yesterday, it was about the two guards. And both Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were pretty quiet in the game on Saturday. And then they were just tremendous in last night's game. Uh, Green with 31 points. uh, Porter, uh, what, was 19 points and 13 assists. He was terrific. Uh, And so, you know, it was bench one night, starters the the next. And it was really a step in the right direction, especially for Porter. I mean, he missed 20 games. He missed more than six weeks. And to see him play well like that, it just shows you how much they missed him when he was off the floor.
1: Yeah, the the one thing I would say that I thought was – was common about the games about the two games that I or the end that I think that Rockets fans should at least appreciate was you know this conversation that we have a lot about effort Adam and it seemed like that was there like if there's anything that you could complain about in in like throughout the season, a consistent complaint about the Rockets throughout the season is that the effort is shoddy um, and that it's been inconsistent. And back to back nights, I thought that that it was there. Obviously, it looked a lot different between Saturday and Sunday, as you mentioned. You know, it was it was the bench guys, it was the role players that really came through for them in San Antonio and then in Houston. And, and, and of course, that was not a great Jalen Green game or, or uh, Kevin Porter Jr. game. He's still kind of getting his feet under him, but the effort was was there. The effort I thought was tremendous. And that was really one of the things that stood out to me above anything.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. And you even go back to the two games before against Denver and Memphis. The effort wasn't very good in those games. And so now the question becomes, well, why hasn't it always been like that for the first 62 games of the year? Why is it taking to this point of the year where we see good effort in back-to-back games against a team that you should beat? Why is this why are we still having this conversation about effort? Because frankly, I I do think that's been the frustrating aspect of this season. You talk about defense, you talk about offense, you talk about all this stuff, but the fact that the effort hasn't been good enough. And the fact that we're talking about effort in March, that's, that's a bit of an issue. So I do agree with you. I, I did think the effort was good, but now can they do that for 18 more games? And can they do that consistently? Can they do that for 48 minutes? Because I haven't seen that a whole lot and they will have some games, you know, Tomorrow's game, you know, Tuesday's game against Brooklyn, that's not the type of game where they usually come out and play hard because they don't you know, it's not a it's not a glamour team. You know, they play the Lakers a couple times. They still play the Warriors. Those are the games that you expect them to come out and play hard. But can they do that every single night? That's really the challenge that I think they have for these last 18 games.
1: Yeah, man. Well, that's why I like. The quote from Jalen Green on Sunday night when he talked to you guys, he said, we we got to be all in or, or he said, uh, we all got to be on the same page going into next season. And so that's them already acknowledging, of course, what we already know that, you know, this season is lost in terms of anything like substantively competitive or anything like that. But he says, you know, we know we can't really do anything about our record or the playoffs or anything like that, but it's all about pride and just going out and playing hard and trying to win as many games as possible. And, you know, there's also heavy conversation about how it's not in their best interest to win games and how they need to ensure that they're, you know, a bottom two or three team, So they have, you know, the best odds to get the number one overall pick, but we talk about it all the time, man. Like they, they need to learn how to win games. Like they, they they need moments like this and games like this that I think can uh, can really be valuable not just on the morale but but on them like figuring things out you know you talk to anybody again on the team and they talk about like learning how to win is an actual thing so like you can't just chalk up losses to a uh, to to a spur like if they were to have lost these games. You know, losing games to to a Spurs team that's barely trotting out a, a, an NBA team out there, and here you go with your guys at full strength, guys that are supposed to be a part of your rebuild, and they're going to be, you know, you hope are going to be real parts of your future. You know, you've got to maximize opportunities like that. Like I, to me, it would have been deflating for it to have gone uh, in any other direction. Let's switch over to Kevin. Well,
2: Porter, well, let me add one thing. Go ahead, more. Thing. Good. You have an opportunity to change the narrative because really, for the last what, three months, the narrative about the Rockets has been it's a dumpster fire, it's an embarrassment, it's a joke. And if you can string together some quality play over these these last 18 games, then you can at least show no, it's not what people think it is. We are actually headed in the right direction, and so you can say that to prospective free agents, to anybody else who you might be looking to hire or bring in at some point from the outside, you can at least say, hey, we have this going on right now. We have these guys who are playing well towards the end of the year. Yeah, it wasn't great for a lot of the season, but we at least showed that there is something here. And so you have an opportunity, I think, to change some of the narrative that's surrounding the organization.
1: Oh, definitely. Hold on to that thought, actually, because I want to build on that uh, in a later question. Uh, but I think that's a good thought, and we're on the same page on that. Um, let's switch over real quick, though, to Kevin Porter Jr. Could you you mentioned him earlier, um, how Sunday night was especially a good night for him because I think specifically for Kevin Porter Jr., it was the first game out of the few that he's played since he's been back from the foot injury or the toe injury. I don't even want to look at it. The toe injury, It's the first game where he really looked, or the closest he looked to himself, I think is the best way to put it. And – He looks healthy or he looked healthy at least on sunday night and that was a good sign you alluded to it just a few moments ago about how much they missed him while he was gone and i think that's an important point to focus on just the fact that in the 20 games that kevin porter it was 20 games right uh the, the the 20 games that he missed we saw while he was out how much they really missed him out there. and And now, specifically, with how he played on Sunday night, we could see how much they really missed him, um, you know, with him out there, like evidenced by his play out there. what 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 were some of your thoughts about uh, the, just the I guess the journey that Kevin Porter Jr.'s been on these last few games and getting back into the swing of things and finally kind of looking closer to himself on Sunday?
2: Well, the big thing for him on Sunday. Was he didn't re aggravate the toe, and that was something that you noticed in his first game back, and then also Saturday, is that yeah. he had to come out of the game at one point. It really in both of those games because the toe had you know had been re aggravated, and so that yeah. didn't happen yesterday. So that that was that was really important. I know he was really, I think he was excited that he didn't have to deal with that the same way that he had in the past. So that, yeah, that yeah was, we saw
1: we saw him we saw him at him on the on the uh, on the bench there taking his shoe off. He was he was seen on the on the broadcast. I I think it was in the 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 game that was in San Antonio, sitting there with his shoe off. And I'm thinking, oh man, that must be he must be in a great deal of discomfort or pain there.
2: Yeah, so he he was able to push off fine. He was able to have full movement, you know, with everything. So that was good. You know that that was good to see. But also, you just you know you look at what he did, and he played the first seven minutes of the game, and he was he either scored or assisted on twelve of their first twenty points. And so he he's he is among the league leaders in drives to the basket. I think he's 15th in, in average drives to the basket. And then of those 15, there are very few who, have, who uh, assist on a higher percentage of those drives than him. And so a big part of their offense is the drive and kick game. And without Porter on the floor, they just haven't had that. They, they, you know they, they have guys who can drive, but they don't have the guys who can kick. And so that's something that they have desperately need that they've desperately missed. And it's a big part of what they want to do offensively spread the floor driving kick that hasn't been there. And so you forget how much you miss that when he's not out there. So then you see it last night like, Oh yeah, (laughs) Hey, this is, this is kind of good. They can, they can go in and they can get the shots that they want. And I wrote about this, I guess it was last week or maybe the week before Um, their three point shooting has been way down and they went through a stretch uh right before the all-star break where uh they were taking 20% fewer threes uh than they did uh while he was gone for that first stretch while he was gone compared to what they were doing before he got hurt and it's really hard to win in this league if you're not taking threes if you're only taking 28 threes a game it's difficult it makes it really hard on yourself to try and put up a good offense it's almost like your offense has a ceiling to it and while the rockets were they actually um their offensive rating went up in the, in the 20 games that Porter missed, but there still was a ceiling on it because everything was coming from inside the arc. So they weren't shooting threes. Well, they weren't making any threes and they weren't taking any either. So they've been able to kind of get back to the offense that they want to run, especially in last night's game.
1: Yeah, man. And and to, to me, like it's, it's interesting when you think about it, like Kevin Porter Jr. is kind of a, I don't know if "controversial" is the right word, but it's kind of a hot button topic. Like, uh, you know, both both locally, from you know, sort of internally, people who are you know could would consider themselves Rockets fans, and and certainly from a national standpoint of like, hey, what are they doing with this Kevin Porter Jr. thing? He's not a point guard, you know. He's had some of the uh, interpersonal or personality issues that have that have come up in the past, and you know, some people think that it's more trouble than it's worth but then i look i go out there and i look at it and i'm like man this guy's actually really has some value to a team even if he's miscast it's like you know uh, you know he's probably you know unfairly maligned because throughout the year and i'd go back to previous episodes that we've done man we've noted that he's their most valuable player like there's no way around it man i mean he's been their most valuable player throughout the year um, we saw it when he was playing earlier in the year and he was healthy. And again, we saw it when he was out and we're seeing it again now, like, uh, I don't know. I just think that there's, no, that there's no way around acknowledging the value that this guy has on the team.
2: I think it's kind of unfair to say that he's miscast as a point guard because he ha- he possesses a lot of the skills that you want from a point guard. He can get to the rim. He's a really good passer. He's one of their best three pointers. Like that, that's what you want out of your point guard. The problem is, they are asking him to do so much and he's still learning it all. This is not a guy who played point guard before he got to the Rockets. So he basically has been playing in the position for two years. So, in, in terms of like the skill set, he can do it. Like, he's got the skill set that you want. And I think that's why they put him in this position. However, he doesn't have just like the knowledge of understanding A, how to play the position yet, and B, how to run an offense. And so I think that's what makes a point guard a great point guard is that he knows how to get your team organized on the floor and do it on the fly. He's basically your coach out there, and he just hasn't done it a lot yet. He's getting better at it. There are signs that he can actually do it, and he wants to put the work in to do it. But I I do think that he is graded on this curve that, frankly, is a little unfair because – you're not, he's not expected to be a finished product at this point because they're, they are still asking him to do something that he's still figuring out how to do. So as long as he's getting better at it, to me, I think that's all that matters. Now he, there's some things that he, he, he needs to clean up. He's got to clean up the turnovers. He's got to clean up. This is kind of goes along with the rest of the team. The effort stuff is big with him. He's got to play hard for 48 minutes. You know, you can't be kind of lose focus in and out, you know, that, that's been his biggest issue to me. Um, But he he's a good player and he can be a good player on a winning team, I think, down the road. It's just gonna it's gonna take some time. You know, he's developing the same way that everybody else is. And his first two years in the NBA were essentially wasted. I mean, you had the year in Cleveland where he's playing the wing, he's playing, you know, small forward. And then his first year with the Rockets, you know, he's he gets traded mid season. He doesn't play at all the first half. He goes to the G League and he comes up here for what, the last 30 games or so. I mean and where he's really learning on the fly to play point guard against you know and he's he's leading a team that frankly had nobody on it
1: yeah i guess that's that's a fair way to look at it uh for me it's been i don't know i i guess i it, i'm still getting over the whole uh the hit of the whole but like dedication to kevin porter jr as point guard uh at, at the you know at the uh At the expense of the team, I thought uh, early on now, that was a part of a longer term projection, a longer term goal of developmental project, uh, understanding where they were as a franchise. But it just never made sense to me at the time that they had a point guard on the team and they forced a guy who wasn't a point guard at the time to play it. Uh, But, you know, that was two years ago now, or is it going to be two years ago now? And here we are. That's that's probably a better way to look at it, Adam, honestly, that, you know, he's got the skill set to do it. It's just not something that he's got experience in or a lot of experience in. I guess, I guess also though, I, I like I look at how creative of a scorer he is and how creative of a ball handler he is. I I like him as just what like I don't I don't know if he's a point like to me doesn't like he's not a natural point guard, but I guess to my point like whatever he is I like it. You know what I mean? Like I think it's cool and all, and so I just. I never wanted to pigeonhole it or figure like it had to be like we had to be force fed the point guard thing. Um, but somebody's got to be the point guard and he's and he's clearly their best option to do it um, and, and has been over the last, uh, you know, or, or, or over the or obviously this season. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, Kevin Porter Jr., we can't agree, is a good player, a valuable player and will be a useful player or should be a useful player whenever this team. Uh, whenever this team gets good again Um, Let's talk about Greg Popovich real quick man because I noticed That you mentioned how He should teach a course On how to tank man What did you think of What did you think of Greg Popovich's Greg Popovich's strategy in these Two games and What do you make of Like one of the greatest of all time if not The greatest of all time uh, Certainly of maybe our lifetime Coaches and NBA history and pro sports going from, like, the pinnacle of that to, like, the ins and outs of how to facilitate a tank and a rebuild.
2: Well, let's look at it this way. On Saturday, they sat their two leading scores, Devin Vassell and Kelvin Johnson. They sat. Then last night, Vassell and Johnson play, but they sit Zach Collins and Trey Jones and Malachi Branham, and there was another starter, I think, that was in that mix, too. That they sat. So they they played all their guys, they just didn't play them in both games. They sat Jeremy Sohan also in yesterday's game. So I mean they there there is no reason for them to win games. And they the Rockets and Spurs are in very different situations because the Rockets have two top five picks on the roster. San Antonio hasn't had a top five pick in 25 years. And so they only have really the one lottery pick. They might have a second lottery pick, but, you know, they have one top 10 pick on the roster, and that's Sohan. But the lottery pick that they had in 2021 is already gone. That was Josh Primo, who they had to, to waive uh, for his little incident. Um, so they are in very different situations, the Spurs and Rockets. And remember, the Spurs are the Spurs because they tanked in 1997. And they they had zero, and that's when Pop took over. Pop took over in the middle of that '97 season. They fired Bob Hill, and they just kept losing and losing and losing. And I'm pretty sure David Robinson could have come back at at some point towards the end of the season. They said, "No nah, man, go chill over there." And then they wound up with the number one pick. They got Tim Duncan and won five championships off of that. So no team is above tanking. The Spurs, especially, are not above tanking. They just haven't had to do it in a long time. Yeah. You know
1: what? That's a good point, too. I hadn't thought about it like that. We're, we're so used to Spurs excellence that we forget how the excellence began. And and it certainly began with that, you know, with the, you know, bringing in Tim Duncan and and the rest of that is history. And I guess that's that's the hope now that, you know, of the four teams, whichever four teams it is. and And I guess it's going to be I mean, who's it going to be, Adam? It's going to be Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte. Detroit and I'm in Detroit. There we go. Those are going to more than Detroit, likely be the De- yeah.
2: Detroit lost today. So they are tied with the Rockets now for the worst record. And San Antonio is a half game back. Let me make sure that's right. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. See, but those Detroit, should be the those, Detroit now has the worst record. Detroit is now 15 and 50. The Rockets are, are 15 and 49 in San Antonio is 16 and 49. So Detroit has lost eight in a row and they're 15 and 50.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess this is the this is the moment that uh, all of those teams, all four of those teams, are hoping that this ends up being the you know their nineteen ninety seven, you know that, that this ends up being their franchise resetter, uh, and, and ends up making the making the difference. Um, I wanted to get to the comments that Rafael Stone had to the Athletic um he did an interview with them kelly eco we both know did an interview with uh the rockets gm and it was a wide-ranging interview where they you know they're they're discussing the rebuild and development and you know the plans and all of that it's a i encourage you guys to check it out uh, if you haven't already it's been out for a little while like i said we took the all-star break with you guys so it's been a while since we have been able to discuss any of these things but there was a quote that that stood out to me that that I wanted to work with here and ask a follow up question with uh, with you, and, and and that's this. It's it's him telling Rafael Stone, telling Kelly Eco of the Athletic that the team. You know, they're talking. He's talking positive about the talent that they've accumulated, the draft picks that they accumulated over time the money that they're gonna have, the cap space that they're gonna have in free agency or be able to work within free agency that we discussed and are gonna discuss more in the future, um, all of that. But in terms of where they are developmentally, he says that they're very, very unsatisfied. And this is the quote from Raphael Stone to The Athletic. So even though from a macro perspective, we see the trends going in the right direction, we're not at all satisfied that were there or even close to being there for any of our players and it's incumbent upon them and us to push them there for them to get way better, way better. If our goal is to be a championship team and we want these guys to be a core part of it, this improvement has to continue and continue and continue. And the work ethic has to continue and continue to continue. (laughs) And we've just got started. Uh, or, and we've just started. Is the end of that quote? And so I wanted to to ask you, Adam. I, I thought this is a, a a good way to to kind of expand on that, where he says that they're not satisfied or that they're unsatisfied. He mentions that a couple of times, um, and the, how, how they got to get way better, um, which we all know they're the worst team in the league. Um, let's start with, with well, yeah, okay, fair enough. They're they're among the. Could could four teams just together be the worst team in the league since they're all uh, gunning for the same thing? Like they all have the same shared it's, common goal. Uh, let's let let's go positive first and then go negative. Where should the Rockets be satisfied at this point? Uh, let's just call it in, in within the Rafael Stone era and within this stage of the rebuild. Call it phase one, if you will.
2: Nowhere. <laughs> is that is that unfair to say? I mean, no, are, man, I I want your opinion. That's that's why that's why I thought the question was was good to ask. I, I think they won 17 games two years ago. They won 20 games last year. They have 15 wins with 18 games left this season. I mean, there isn't a whole lot that I think you can point to and say they have done this well over the last three years. They have lost games. Well, they've been very good at that. But for the most part, I don't think that there's anything that you say, hey, they should be satisfied by what they've done because frankly they've been really bad and there just is no, I don't think there's a saving grace towards that. I think that maybe um, towards the end of last season, you could say, Hey, the guys that we drafted they're, they're getting better and they've improved, but then they couldn't carry that over uh, into the start of this season. And I think that was pretty disappointing. So to me, they shouldn't be satisfied with anything. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you see something that, that they should be satisfied with, but I don't see it. I don't see anything.
1: If I had to point to anything, and, and this is a a small win, but the thing that like a, a, just for me, the thing that I would be satisfied in is the supporting cast. Like to 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 feel like you have some collection, a couple of pieces that could be really good supporting cast members on it whenever the team is good again. And more specifically, I'm pointing at. Tari Eason and Kenyon Martin Jr., I think that those two guys are value like value picks and guys that that already you can tell. And I know Kenyon, uh, you know, KJ Martin's been in the league. This is his third year, but both of those guys, I think you can identify as guys who can play winning basketball or be part of winning basketball teams. Now, that's not to say or to guarantee that they're gonna be a part of it because they're role players because they're not focal points of a team they're expendable those guys could could end up in trades we could look up and they're not part of this team at all whenever we're talking about a good basketball team again whenever whenever that is but if there was something and and i would i would agree with you in large part that for the most part no um and and the other side of this question is coming as, as far as what um, what to be unsatisfied with it, it maybe we're already answering it here but to me if I was going to say something that that you could be satisfied with it's that you've gotten good value in some place uh, along the margins if you will and, and and that's what I would say about Tari Eason KJ Martin and maybe even Alperen Shingun to that degree as somebody who I don't think is going to be like a I don't think Alpern Shingun is going to be a superstar in the NBA like a lot of the Alpern Şengün stands that you'll find uh, in different places. But I do think that that was a really, really good move to go get him and that he was a really excellent pick. And that he's that, you know, he's going to be useful in some way to you uh, already is uh, in a lot of ways uh, as just as a developmental piece and, and will be or should be eventually uh, when things look better. So so that's what I would say. That's what I would be satisfied with. Um and maybe is that is that too optimistic or too soft? Am I being too soft on them for that? Because I because no, I do like I do like those players.
2: No, I, I do think that you can point to some of the ways that they have identified some talent. And, and I go back to a couple years ago when they did not have a pick. They did not have a pick in the 2020, yeah, it 2020 draft. They didn't have a pick. But they were able to trade for K.J. Martin. They found uh, Jay Sean Tate in Australia. And so those kind of moves around the margin, I give them credit for identifying those guys, believing those guys, developing those guys. And they are now very useful NBA players who I do think, like you said, they could be contributors on good teams. So I do think that that's one area where they should at least be proud of themselves for the ability to find guys like that um, they've missed on some they've hit on some. And, and I do think that those two are big hits. I, I I think that the way they have drafted in the middle of the first round has been good. You know, you look at what they, you mentioned Shingun, the eastern pick at 17 was a really good pick. I feel like they have worked the draft pretty well. They, um they should be uh, satisfied with the way that they have been able to uh, replenish their draft stock. You know, the Brooklyn trade, you know, we can, Talk about whether or not they've made a good trade there for Harden uh, with the Harden trade, but they at least got some picks and they've done a good job of, you know, second round picks aren't, you know, aren't the most valuable um, assets in the world, but they've been able to get some. I think they've added what five second round picks uh over the last year or so that sort of thing. It, it does matter at the end of the day. Those, those are nice to have. Uh, I, I thought that they wound up getting pretty decent value for Eric Gordon uh by getting that pick swap. And, you know, I think right now it, it could wind up right in the, in the middle of the first round. So there are, there are some areas where you, you give them credit for, but I think overall they're in the whole lot to be satisfied with.
1: I feel like I, I I got you. Like I pulled some out of you though. I mean, you were, you were initially down on any idea that there was anything that they could be satisfied about. And then I got you to go on for about, you know, 45 to 50 seconds about things that they could be satisfied about. So, 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 so a win there, a win for, uh, for Rockets, a uh, glass half full um, type of fans that are listening to this podcast. But I also feel like your initial answer. Did you
2: need to do PR for Rafael
1: yeah well well i was just trying to have a a a balanced uh do balanced question question it here because i was going to say i also feel like your initial answer to the question uh you know gives us an opportunity here to pile on uh on what they should not be satisfied because that was going to be the next question where the rockets should be unsatisfied because to be fair here uh, and, you know, you jokingly about me doing PR for Raphael, but let's go back to the quote here. He said that they're not satisfied, that they are unsatisfied. Very, very unsatisfied was the exact quote. Um, and, you know, consistent with what you just said, they should be unsatisfied because there ain't a whole lot to be satisfied. I had to I had to pull some stuff out of the out of the sky there. Uh, and talk about how they've done well along the margins just to talk about some of the good things that they've done. So um at the risk of stating some of the obvious or piling on here, but where where would you point specifically where they should be other than to say the whole damn thing because it ain't uh, – it haven't really worked yet or we don't really see it working yet, where would you say they should be unsatisfied?
2: They are not a functional basketball team. And all you can do is go by the wins and losses. And – worst record 2 years ago, worst record last year. second worst record right now and that's just because they've they've won a couple games in, in the last 48 hours. So they you got to be a competitive basketball team at some point and right now they aren't that. Now let's see what happens over these last 18 games. But the way they started this, you know, they started the season okay and then they hit that lull and it got really ugly at times and for whatever reason they have not been able to pull themselves out of those ugly stretches. And they're just coming off another long losing streak also. So the fact that the effort has not been good enough, I think that we both agree, and we've already talked about it today, the effort is not good enough on a day-in, day-out basis. That should be, just from an organizational standpoint, that's embarrassing because you have all these young kids and they should play hard. Like that's the one thing that you have over everybody is that you should be, more energetic than, than, than the team that you're playing against. And far too often they come out with zero energy and with zero effort and they lose to teams. And, they, and they, frankly, they get blown out by teams. They shouldn't get blown out by um, they, they do not do a very good job of dealing with adversity. They can be rolling along. There was a game against Orlando. I think it was back in December. Where they play great for what eighteen minutes or so, and then all of a sudden Orlando hits them with a the zone, and they act like they have no idea what's going on, and then nobody knows how to play their, their way out of it, and they just can't make simple plays. So, to me, it's just it, it, it's fifteen and forty nine. It's fifteen and forty nine after a twenty and sixty two after they finished the year before it. I think it was five and forty six. There's not a whole lot that you can hang your hat on and say we're we're doing this well. You know, we should be satisfied with this because, frankly, there isn't anything. And, you know, I, I think that for them, they, they knew they weren't going to win games this year. They knew that wasn't going to happen. They knew that they'd be lucky to to hit their their Vegas over, which was 23 and a half. And I don't think they will hit that. They're at 15 with, you know, they'd have to win, go 8 and 10 to hit that Vegas over. That's not happening. But you you would have liked to have seen better than what they've done. Their defensive rating is worse this year than it was last year. They're still turning over the ball a ton. They still haven't been able to find any shooting out there. So it's, uh, I think overall, this goes down as, at least through the first 64 games, it's been pretty disappointing.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that they're not a functional basketball team. Uh, another way that I will put it uh, is in terms of being unsatisfied, they should be unsatisfied because they're unserious you know they're, they're not a serious basketball team they're not a serious franchise at the moment now they've got a serious opportunity right they've got you know they're they're undoubtedly going to get a high draft pick and and a chance here we'll see how things go with the lottery and everything they got a chance here to get the number one overall pick all of the james harden talk is real we know it to be real and you know as odd as it is it's real you know and so there's an opportunity there to really upgrade like forget all the histrionics and and emotional stuff tied to the to it which which matters and is relevant but that that would undoubtedly improve their team you know to add james harden uh and, and the potential of that the prospect of that but but right now being unsatisfied makes sense because you know to me aside from the record they're just unserious for a lot of the reasons that you just laid out about the effort and you know the 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 specific point that you make about them being younger adam i think is a really good one because it's like how y'all don't have how y'all don't have energy and effort and y'all are like 20 years old like only a few of you like half the team or you know several people on the team could have just recently been able to buy alcohol legally you know some of them still can't you know it's like y'all are that young and you don't have energy you don't have effort like more than anything you would think that they're just so young and don't know anything that they just be so excited to be in the nba that they'd be given more effort than they even should like that they'd be shocking the hell out of teams with the effort like you know teams older teams that are beaten down and don't really care about the mundane nitty gritty of the season. They're kind of just going through the motions. They would expect to run into the Rockets and be like, damn, these guys play with their hair on fire because they're young and they're scrappy and they, they've never been here before. And so they act like it. And so it's a, it's kind of a weird dynamic to think about that you would have such a young team and effort would be an issue or such a, such a major question mark. So, yeah, the, the, that's disappointing. So, like, aside from when we talk about being unsatisfied, aside from the record, it's like what it what it actually looks like. I think it's unsatisfying because um, I expected them. Honestly, Adam, I didn't expect them to win a lot of games, but I expect them to be a lot more fun to watch. I'd expect I expected them to be a lot more exciting of a team, and at times they are fun and exciting, but they're so far uh, more often not you know, and more often like frustrating or puzzling or something other than exciting. And so that's unsatisfying and that's, uh, you know, like not good. Um, but yeah, that, that I, I, get it I guess that's just how I, how I reflect on it. It's like, you're, you should be unsatisfied because you're unserious. And then, and then one other point that I'd make too about, uh, about being unsatisfied is the, trajectory of the star players or the let me check that the guys who are supposed to be star players on the team um and that's Jalen Green and Jabari Smith I don't know like Jalen Green has shown clear star potential I don't want to miss uh misstate what I'm trying to say here but like I I feel like there is you know and some of that effort stuff speaks to Jalen Green or Jalen Green speaks to it um so there, there's that there and then jabari smith just overall has not really looked like what i think the expectation was for him to look like at this point point. and we talked about that how he's just young and he's got to kind of grow into his body and, and 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 that sort of thing but but those would be some of the things that i would point to um uh, about so just basically reiterating your points and then Uh, And then adding on that the that the cornerstones don't exactly necessarily look like cornerstones, even though you can see it in Jalen Green. It's just not there often enough.
2: The thing that they said before the season, it wasn't we want to win X amount of games. They they never made any sort of, you know, declaration with that. What they talked about before the season is they wanted to be tough to play against and they haven't been tough to play against far too often. And and so I think. So I think that when you look at this season today, 64 games in, I think that's been what's most disappointing is not only do you have, you know, the league's second worst record now because of, you know, Detroit's skid, but you have the league's second worst record and you're not tough to play against. Frankly, it's, it's the night off oftentimes far too often for the team that you're playing against. And so I think for them, when, when this season is over uh, in a month or so, I think that's going to be one of the more disappointing aspects of it is that we 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 talked all this we want to be hard to play against and far too often we weren't. And so I think that that's the that's what they really need to look, you know, in the mirror about is that they just weren't tough to play against. All right, so the Rockets have the Nets
1: up next by the time you guys hear this hopefully on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon sometime during your commute before the Rockets face the Nets. You guys get to check this out. But uh Nets on Tuesday, Pacers on Thursday. Um, and I imagine that we will talk sometime soon. Um, and 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 have a look back at some of those games. But uh, but it, it it's good to get back in the mix, man. I know you've been traveling, I know you're gonna be traveling some more. So we'll figure out what our schedule is. I know you're gonna be out of town, you're gonna be um, you know, doing your thing, headed to Vegas and everything. Uh so we're gonna figure out what our schedule looks like, but, uh, but Nets and Pacers coming up for the Rockets um, last. Let's see. What are we at the time of this recording? I think it's 18 games left in the season. And so uh, we're, tra- we're chugging along here, man. We've made it through, uh, made it through this first season for the most part and going to see how, how it ends. I would go back to that Jalen green quote from, from Sunday night when he says that, you know, we got to all be on the same page going into next season. Um, it's all about pride and just going out and playing hard and trying to win as many games as possible. Um, I don't know about winning as many games as possible. They could look at it like that. He should look at it like that as uh, as the most talented player on the team and, and one of the future pieces of the of the franchise. I just look at it as hey, the the pride part. You know. That's the part that we're looking for and when we talk about being unsatisfied and being unserious and and, and not being a, a credible basketball team right now. Uh, my, I think that that's what they're fighting for in these last 18 games is credibility. And so uh, Adam and I will be here to cover it. Um, and, and, and we want you guys to continue to review and subscribe and rate. Like, give us give us five stars um, and also make sure that you're giving reviews as much as you can and telling people to do that uh, because that helps people find the podcast and we appreciate that so yeah for Adam Spillane I'm Brandon Scott and also Austin Mendez producing this thing behind the scenes for us this is the H-Town Who's podcast and until next time y'all be good